just so excited for uh, what God's doing in the church. And if you were here this last Sunday, you had the opportunity to hear from Pastor Tommy. How good was that? Pretty awesome. Yeah. I hope you were, I hope you were encouraged by him. And, and uh, he finished 1 John chapter 4, so we're going to pick it up in 1 John chapter 5. So open up your Bibles there. 1 John chapter 5. And uh, if you weren't here last week, uh, the, the senior pastor from Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara, Pastor Tommy, who is uh, my pastor, came down here. Um, Calvary SB is the church that I served at for 10 years before being sent uh, here to plant this church. And it was a blessing to have Tommy here because I, I really want you to know him. And I really want him to know you because that guy, he's, he's like kind of the real deal. And you guys are pretty amazing too. So um, I just think it's a good connection. You always have a home up in Santa Barbara. Great place to travel. Visit that church. Um, and if you didn't already know this, uh, Tommy serves as one of the elders of this church. And, you know, he gives really great spiritual wisdom and insight into the work that is happening here. And in turn, he gets to steal a few ideas from us, you know, the little name tags and, you know, lemons in the water. So, um, but I'm sure that if you had the opportunity at all last week to, to just be around the guy, even for a moment, that you were able to sense the love that that man walks in and the encouragement that he breathes out. Um, as I said, he's the real deal and he's a great example to me in that way. And look, the, the reality is that for us, as the people of God, we ought to be the most loving and encouraging people that anyone could encounter. Amen? Amen. Amen. We want to be that type of people. We want to be that type of church. And so today, as we pick up in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, what we're going to see right off the bat is this idea of loving, and loving being the indicator light that we talked about last Sunday, that when people see our love, it will be an indication of who we belong to, and that we belong to, to God, and that because God's spirit abides in us, love will be worked out through us, right? There's going to be this shing about our lives. Did anybody do that this week? Just feel it, feel it in the moment, shing. We want to be that type of people. And so, Christians, first and foremost, we are to be known by our love for God and by our love for one another. And that comes as a package deal. You know, if you say you love God, but you ain't loving people, that's a check engine light that you need to get fixed, right? Or your life is really going to tank. And, and I'm going to pull this back a little. We're a little hot on there. Can you guys... Turn down the volume just a tad or, yeah, because it's going to get, it's going to, I'm going to get going and I feel like I'm holding back right now because it's loud. I'm like talking like this. I'm like, I'm ready to go. So pull me back just a little bit. All right. Amen. All right. Well, what I'm saying is that when we see life operating at the highest level, it's when we are loving God and we're loving people. And so today, as we look in 1 John chapter 5, what we're going to see is John reiterating this exhortation to love. And so read in your Bible with me, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. 
And so here's the first thing that I noticed about this opening verse. What, what I see is first that John says everyone. And the reason that he says everyone is because the invitation to love is for everyone. That God has given all of us a capacity to love. We've seen already in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, that we love because God first loved us. And so because we are made in the image of God, we have this capacity to give love and a capacity to receive love. However, what I will say is that there is a kind of love that is awakened in us and through us when we come to know Jesus and we are born again. This is a different manner of love, a different kind of love that comes from the, from the Father that the world does not know. You see, this foreign love in the world comes from heaven above, and yet it's a love that's not hidden. It's not a secret thing. It's, it's made plain. It was manifested to us clearly in Jesus that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And Christ came into this world to be a sacrifice for us. And so, this immeasurable love, this, this manner of love that comes from the Father is discovered when a person believes in who Jesus is and what he came to do, and when that happens, the Bible says that you become born of God. Well, all right then, how then is a person born of God? Well, John says how right there in verse one. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. It's pretty simple, right? Plain and simple, simple and true, that a person born of God, a person born again, aka a new creation in Christ, that that happens when a person believes that Jesus is the Christ. Now look, Christ is not the last name of Jesus, but Christ is rather the title of Jesus. Christ is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah. In the English translation of those words, Christ or Messiah is the word anointed. And these all mean the same thing, that, that God came in the flesh as a redeemer to die on a cross to reconcile us to God. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. He was the one that was prophesied about long ago and, and fulfilled in history nearly 2,000 years ago when the God of heaven descended to earth and was born into a manger. And as Rob prayed, that being in that wooden manger would eventually lead to being upon that wooden cross that Jesus is the humble servant king who brought about the promise of eternal life to everyone, everyone who believes in his name. And so I have to ask you this question. I, I, I think it would be wrong of me if I didn't ask you this question this morning. Have you believed Jesus to be the Christ? I mean, we sang it this morning. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. 
Our God is three in one. When you sang that song this morning, did you believe it? Amen. You see, Jesus did come. He came and he lived and he died and he rose again and he's coming again. And today Jesus is going to be declared to us in the word of God. And if by faith today you want to believe Jesus to be the Christ, the Messiah, maybe you're Jewish and you're, you're here in this church and you're just, you got this background where he, is Christ my Messiah? Maybe, yes, he is. He is. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed Savior of the world for the Jews and for all the Gentiles, for every tribe, nation, and tongue. And when a person believes and confesses that Jesus is the Christ, they are born into the family of God. You're given eternal life. And look, the eternal life is a beautiful thing. I was talking to Rob this week about how life, that word life is sometimes lost on us, that there's this word for life, it's zoe, it's this, it's this quality of life, this, this, also this quantity of life, that there is a life that is promised to us, that, that when you believe in Jesus, there is a quality of life that you can live today. But, but with it comes the promise of life after death that cannot be quantified. And you have before you today an opportunity to believe Jesus to be this Christ. So today you can have eternal peace and security in God's love today. Now, if you've already believed in Jesus, which as I look out I know many of you have, then what is going to be the indicator of our belief in him? What's gonna show this world that we believe in Jesus? Love, love. And look at the second half of verse one. It says, everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So, when we believe in Jesus, he not only becomes our savior, but he also becomes our example, right? And because Jesus loves the Father, we will love the Father too, right? And because Jesus loves the children that are born of God, the born-again believers in Christ, we will also love those who are born of God. We will love his church, his bride. And so are you seeing the connection? The connection that John's making is he's saying, as we love God, our love for God will be evidenced in the way that we love his children. That's an interesting connection, right? That, that your love for God will be evidenced in the way you love his children. But who are the father's children? Well, to begin, isn't Jesus the father's child? Jesus is the firstborn of creation, the only begotten from the father. And so at the very least, we are to love Jesus, who is God's only begotten son. But this is also a true statement that everyone who believes in the Son of God have been given the right to be called the children of God. That we, when we believe in Jesus, we become adopted into the family of God and we become this spiritual family where together we exist in Christ. That everyone who believes in the name of Jesus becomes God's children. And so then as his children, love 
becomes this shared home and this shared habit of the family of God. And John is simply saying that if we love God, we will also love the family of God. And and look, Tommy says that we're a misfit pack of weasels. The church, the family of God. That we are all very different from one another, aren't we? We may look different, we may think different, we may dress different, have different likes and dislikes, having various viewpoints. But because of our belief in Jesus, because we have this common salvation in Jesus Christ, we are united together in his love. And love is that glue. Love is the, the unity that, that is to exist within the body of Christ. Not only this church, but God's whole church. That when God sees his church, he doesn't just see Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes. He sees the church globally in all of its different ways and facets and the way that it'll look. God simply loves those who love his son. And if you love the son, then you're gonna love those who love Jesus. See, I know this sounds kind of elementary. You might be saying, okay, Daniel, like, great, let's, let's get on, there's some good stuff ahead, and there is, but I want you to see in verse two that this point that John is making is, is fascinating. It says, by this, we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments, And remember that phrase, by this we know, again, it could be understood as this indicator, this indication light. And so the indication of our love for God, it is directly connected to our love for his people. I I hope you're picking up what John is putting down. And, And to use Tommy's analogy from last week, that if you are plugged into God, there is going to be this indicator light, this shing that comes on in your life. And this light, one one of the indications that you belong to God, that you're plugged into God, is that you will be obedient to God's commandments. We've learned about this all throughout 1 John. If you say you know him, you will practice righteousness. You will live in obedience to God's commandments. And your obedience will also be an indication of how you love the children of God. That's an interesting connection, right? You see, what John cannot do and what he does not do is he doesn't separate out love for God and love for people. They come as a package deal. If anyone says they love God, but they hate their brother or sister in Christ, they are a liar, John has already said. If we cannot love the person that we see, how on earth are we to be loving a God that we cannot see? So what John doesn't do is he doesn't separate loving God and loving people. They are inextricably connected. They have to go together. And if that is true, then what we're seeing here in this text is that by loving God, and keeping his commandments, you are in effect also loving people. Really? Yes. And this is a very interesting thought, something that I I sort of rediscovered this week. 
So how does my obedience to God demonstrate my love for God's people? Well, think about it in regards to sin. You know, when we disobey God. Sin is disobedience. Sin is a violation of God's commandments. And when I sin, it doesn't only affect me and my walk with God as much as I want to think that sometimes. But when I sin, it also has a great effect on other people. When we sin, our sin has effects on others. And the reverse is also true, that when I obey God, by effect, I will be loving people. Because by virtue, I won't be selfishly looking out for my own interest, but rather I'll be looking out for the interest of others. Can I ask you a question? Do you see sin in this way? That sin not only drags you down, but it drags everyone else around you down too. Maybe you've seen it. You've seen how sin can drag down a family or a church or a workplace or a community. See, sin doesn't happen in a vacuum. It doesn't just affect you. It affects everyone else around you too. And if that's true, then the reverse is true, that do you see your obedience to God in this way? That your obedience not only builds you up, but it builds up the people around you. That, that when you are living righteously for God, others are going to benefit from that. And so then your obedience to God's commandments will be an indication that you care more about God and his people than you selfishly care about yourself. That is the indication that you love God and you love people by your obedience to God. So by doing what God says, you show that you love God and you love people. But now, look. You need to know something that is absolutely key in, in all of this, as, as we're thinking about this, is that what John is saying is that if you really want to love God and you want to love people, and you're hearing me say all of this, and you're like, yeah, that's true, but I struggle to do that. I want us to come back to the source. I, I, I don't want to put our obedience before Knowing God and being in relationship to him, we have to have a source of love to draw upon because this kind of love that we're talking about, this manner of love that, that comes from the Father that cannot be found in the world, it is a love that you can't just come to by trying harder. It is a love that needs to be drawn from a source. And what source of love could be better than God himself? Amen? See, God is love. It's, it's actually it's like his very nature. That, that he's, his resource of love is unlimited. And so our love must be connected to his love or it's going to be very small or it's going to fail altogether. And so the question is, are we plugged into God? Are we drawing from the source of love that is God? You know, I want to think to this idea of drawing from a wellspring of love. 
to draw from a love that comes from God. I love this verse in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. It says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And so the, the source of our love must be God. Anything else is, as Jeremiah says, broken idolatry. Do you know what cisterns were used for in ancient Israel? They were these holes that were hewn out of the sides of rocks so that when it rained, uh, these holes would catch the water and store up the water for people to drink. But what, it, what would inevitably happen is that these cisterns would break, they would crack, and, and, and then the water would leak out. And what God is saying is that he is an endless source of love. That, that he is a fountain, a wellspring of living water that never ends. You see God in that way. That God has this endless supply of life and love and power. And, and anything else is a cheap imitation. Where we're just simply trying to manufacture love. We're trying to make it ourselves. We're trying to catch it ourselves. But anything we try to make, anything that we try to catch ourselves is going to break. And you know what cisterns were used for once they would crack in ancient Israel? They were used as graves for dead people. See... The end of these cheap imitations of love that the world has to offer, their end is death. And only God, who is the wellspring of life and love and power, this fountain of living water is the one that we can come to. Now, verse three is this remarkable truth that is so freeing when we come to understand it and when we come to live it out. So take a look in your Bible, verse three. It says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So when you think about God, what do you think, or, or when you think about God and you think about what God requires of you, what, what comes to your mind? What do you, what do you think about? And, a, and an honest evaluation of that question is going to be really telling. And you know, what I've told you this morning is that God is a fountain of living water. He is an endless source of love. Do you, do you, do you thirst for God? I'm kind of thirsty right now. I'm going to have to take some water. <laughs> so. That's good. Do you thirst? That was really good water. <laughs> you know, water's interesting. There's this, um, I was thinking about dehydration. You know, when we're dehydrated, um, there's this way in which we can turn to other things to try to satisfy that dehydration, but it only makes you more dehydrated. And, and you can be so dehydrated that the very thing that is going to replenish life in you, water, can actually turn your stomach just to think about it. And I think that this condition can be very similar to how people view God. That God promises 
to be a fountain of living water, that he promises to replenish life and love in you when you come to him. And Jesus gives the invitation for everyone to come to him. He said in the gospels, come all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. He said, come, if anyone is thirsty, let him drink of me, come. These are invitations of the Christ. And when people came to him, they were truly satisfied in him. But what keeps people from coming to Jesus in this way? Perhaps it's because God has commandments. You know, people don't want to come to Jesus because they think that he's going to make them stop doing the things that they want to do. And if they come to Jesus, then Jesus is going to make them start doing the things that they don't want to do. And look, the Bible doesn't trick us. We're told straight up in the Bible what the cost of discipleship to Jesus is. If we come to Jesus, there will be things that Jesus will tell you to stop doing. And when you come to Jesus, there will be commands for you, things that he would want you to start doing. But I'm going to tell you, it's for your good. It's for your flourishing, but for some reason, people resist him and do not come to him. And, and look, unlike, unlike religion, unlike living a life without God, when you come to Jesus, you're given a new nature. You see, new power is given to you when you come to Jesus. Do you know that? Now, when you come to Christ you are able by a power and a love that is outside of yourselves to stop doing the things that are destroying you. And when you come to Jesus, grace is given to you to allow you to do the things that God would ask you to do. And if you've never had this power, if you've never tasted and experienced this grace that Jesus offers, Jesus says, everyone, Come to me. He invites you today to come to him, to receive freely from him. So if you've forsaken the fountain of living waters and you've turned to broken cisterns, cisterns that can hold no water, that just leave you longing for more, would you come to Jesus? Would you receive from him today? When you truly drink of the life and the love that is in Jesus, doing the things that God commands of us becomes a delight to our souls and life within our bones. You're gonna want to do what God asks of you because why? You're plugged into the source that is God. When you put your cup under the fountain of living water, it overflows. God's commandments are no longer burdensome. So loving God and loving people will just be like the air that you breathe. Now, now does this mean for us that obedience to God is just a cakewalk? That, that you just come to Christ and it's all good and it's easy? Not necessarily. We all know it's not always easy to obey. We all know that we still sin at times, but in Jesus we find from him this new willingness and this new readiness to do the things that please God. We find this power and this grace that actually enables us to live a life for God. 
You know what else it means? It means that when you come to Jesus and because of what he did on the cross for you, it means you don't have to live under the crushing weight of guilt and shame when you fail. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate in Jesus. If anyone confesses their sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them and to cleanse them of all unrighteousness. See, we have Jesus who gives us a new power and a new love that is outside of ourselves. He enables us to live holy lives. And that's something that, like, be honest, you've never been able to do in your own strength. You might be able to manufacture something for a time that'll like work for a short period, a cistern that you can create, but it's gonna break. And its end is death. So we gotta come to God, who is the source, the endless source of life and love. And friends, just gonna say this, that, that if you find that keeping God's commandments are a burden to you. That's a check engine light that something is disconnected. The abiding Christian, the Christian that is connected to the source of life and love, the one who has the fountain of living water, as Jesus said, actually welling up within their being because the Holy Spirit is that fountain of living water. We will find that when we abide and we have the spirit of God abiding in us, we find that keeping God's commandments is not a burden, but a delight. And if you're not connected to the source of God, and if you realize today that you have been dehydrated of living water, that you've been trying to live your life by your own power, by your own strength, you've forsaken the living waters, and you've turned to cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water, Would you come back to Jesus today? The invitation is open. Jesus says, come to me. I love Isaiah 55, one. Come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come. Buy and eat, come. Buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Come. See, God wants you to come to him. And he's not asking you to bring anything other than your real self with your broken cisterns and all. He just says, come, I will give you a free gift. You don't need money. You don't need good works. You don't need to clean yourself up before you come to Jesus. You just come. And you come to him, all you who are thirsty, all you who are weary and heavy laden by the guilt and the shame and trying to live by your own strength, come. Come to Jesus. That is all. What is God asking of us? What is God requiring of us except that we believe that Jesus is the Christ and then you will be born of God? That's it. So if you want this free gift of life and love, simply believe Jesus is the Christ and you will have this life, love, and power in you by the Holy Spirit.
When you repent and you turn from your sins, times of refreshment will come and you will find that there is this fullness, this life that just completely overflows from you. And verses four through five says, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? I love these verses. These verses are telling us about our standing in Jesus. I hope you realize we prayed about this this morning, that your standing in Jesus is that you're already perfect. Because of Christ's perfect obedience, you have perfect obedience. Be what you already are in the eyes of God. One who, because of the Son of God, has a perfect obedience. Come by yourself? No. You come in Jesus. You are an overcomer. And there's a few things in these verses that we're being told. We're being told that there are There is an enemy of the human soul, and and John throughout his letter has been telling us about three enemies of the human soul. There are three things that are trying to keep you from coming to God. I've been saying it, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, but there are things that are going to try to keep you from coming. These are the three that will keep you, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is the external source of sin. The flesh is the internal source of sin. And the devil is the spiritual source of sin. And these three are allied together in the lie that if you come to Jesus, he's gonna be this boring taskmaster who's gonna weigh you down. That you're not gonna be able to live the life that you wanna live. That he's gonna be this cosmic killjoy in your life. No, 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 friend. He is good. He is loving. He's pretty fun too, amen? So listen, if you come to Jesus today, if you come to the Son of God, the Bible says you overcome the enemy. You overcome the world by the kingdom of God. You overcome the flesh by the spirit of God dwelling in you. You overcome the devil by the victory of Jesus that was won at the cross. And in Christ, you become an overcomer. And you become more than a conqueror in Christ. But this can only be claimed by those who are in Christ. And the way to be in Christ, again, is to believe by faith in Jesus, the Son of God, that he is the Christ, that you believe in his person, that he is fully God and fully man. You believe in his work, that he came from heaven to earth to die on a cross for your sins. He was buried and he rose from the dead and he ascended back to heaven and he's coming for his bride. Are you ready? Are you ready for Christmas? Because, you know, Christmas is the first advent of Christ. He came once. But do you know that there's a a second advent? Christ is coming again. There's, in a sense, another Christmas coming. (laughs) Are you ready? This is an invitation for me. This is an invitation for you. This is an invitation for everyone. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and you become an overcomer.
Victory is available to you today in Jesus. So, all that's asked of you is that you believe and God takes the care of the rest. You become an overcomer. I'll say this verse again, verse five. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? I don't know a better promise for people today than that. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this invitation that you've given to us today by your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you are here, that you have come by your Holy Spirit. You said, I will not leave you as orphans, but that I will send a helper, the one who is with us, the Holy Spirit. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here in our midst right now, convicting of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We know, Holy Spirit, that your work is to point to Jesus. So Holy Spirit, work among these people right now. Work in my heart, work in every heart and say, look to Jesus. Did you hear the invitation? He said, come, go, go. He's calling you. He's saying, come. And in our spirit, we recognize that we have been weary. And so we come. In our spirit, we recognize we are thirsty. And so we come. We realize the things that we've tried to manufacture, that that they are broken. And they can't sustain life and love. No matter how hard we try to make something else or to repair the things that we have, we need a source. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're drawing people to that source, that when we draw from Jesus, that as his blood cleanses us from all sins, that we are then filled with the Holy Spirit that becomes torrents of living water welling up within our being, and and we are fully satisfied for all of eternity, which is both now and forever for those who are children of God, born of God. So God, I pray today, Lord, that there would be some here in our midst would be born again by the Spirit of God. And if you sense the Holy Spirit moving in you today right now and you want to pray to turn from those broken cisterns and to turn to the living water and you heard the invitation and you want to come to Jesus today, he's saying come. Would you raise your hand over your head and say, I want to come. See you guys back there. See you there back drawing you to come. Amen. I'm going to lead these friends in a prayer of salvation. And and if you raise your hand, just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I want to come to you. Thank you for inviting me. I receive your gift today of salvation. I believe you died on a cross for my sins. I believe you were buried and rose again. So Lord, make me yours. I want to be your child. Save me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And, and maybe you've already made a profession of faith, but, but you have turned.
from the fountain of living waters and you're trying to be satisfied by other things that this world has to offer. You feel defeated, you feel weary, you feel thirsty. And and today you would say, I want to drink again. I I know I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good, but, but I need to be refreshed. The book of Acts says that when we repent, times of refreshment come. And if you become aware this morning that the way that you've been living your life has been not a life of abiding, not a life of, of, of believing, and you want to come to Jesus, come. Look, I'm not going to make you raise your hand right now, but don't be a secret disciple. Don't be a secret disciple. You know, Jesus drew Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus out from their secret discipleship to where they had to make this public profession where they would actually pull the dead body of Jesus off the cross so that his very blood would get on them. And you know what? I know for me that I always need the blood of Jesus to cleanse me. That word cleanse is not a once and done. It's a, it is in that sense we were justified, but we're being sanctified. And I need that cleansing blood of Jesus always in my life. And if today you just need a fresh cleansing, uh, a fresh wind of God, a, a, a drink of cold water to drink deeply of the spirit, you want to put your cup under the fountain, do that today. Don't leave here without the Holy Spirit ministering to you. Know what is available to you today. We got some exciting verses this Christmas Eve. We're going to be going in to the next few verses that testify of Jesus. There are witnesses that declare that Jesus is who he said he is. And we want to rejoice today for those who already made a public profession of faith. And I'm going to get out of here now because we got worship and they're doing a good job strumming and everything. But... Um, if you want to come, come, come to the altar. This is the culture in this church that we want to create, that this is the altar for you to come and to lay your burdens down. This is the altar for you to come and to pray and to have refreshment into your life. We're going to have uh, people over here on the sides of the church and over here in the front ready to pray, and we're going to worship Jesus. We're going to come to him today. Amen.